Welcome to the Dream to Destination podcast. Around here, we believe that solo travel is the ultimate freedom. It is also one of the quickest paths to empowerment and personal growth. Have you been dreaming about it, but unsure if you have the confidence to travel solo? Well, I'm here to tell you that you most certainly do. How do I know? Easy. Because if I do, and millions of other women do, then so do you. Hi, I'm Shelly of TravelMexicoSolo.com. Join me here on this podcast each Monday to learn the tried and true tips, tricks, and mindset hacks that I used while traveling solo in Mexico for over two years. You'll also hear stories from other solo female travelers on how they transcended their fears and anxieties to step into their confidence and explore the world solo. So if you're ready to turn your dream of solo travel into your destination, then this podcast was made for you. Now let's dive in. there and welcome to this episode of Dream to Destination. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, This week we're really talking about a topic that's kind of meta um, and it's how to pick a travel destination. So this, uh, this podcast is actually based off of a blog that I wrote called Five Reasons Mexico is one of the best first-time solo travel destinations. And I very firmly stand by that. Um, As you might know, this uh, podcast is started after I started having some, you know, success uh, with my blog, Travel Mexico Solo. And, you know, I went ahead and made the podcast So I'm pretty clearly biased AF about Mexico travel, and the majority of my solo travel has been done in Mexico. So a lot of my content is Mexico heavy. And But this this podcast really is going to cover how to pick a travel destination. However, as usual, a lot of my my examples are Mexico-based. So inevitably, when we talk about Mexico travel... I get the question of, is Mexico safe? And, you know, I've come to not really mind answering the question. Um, I don't really like to debate people. I don't think that's very, I don't think that's very useful. For me, it has not proven very useful because honestly, the people that are the most adamant about Mexico being just unsafe are people who have never been to Mexico. So it's like, I can't really, <laughs> there's not really a debate to be had. You're you're literally just parroting, like re, re-saying what you've heard. And it's, you know, that you're allowed to do that. <laughs> it's a free world, free country in the US. I, you know, I'm not gonna tell you like, I'm not calling out every single person for just like regurgitating what they've heard. You know, it is what it is, but, um, but yeah. You know, I think it's actually kind of good that we talk about safety while traveling. And with Mexico, they're just, they're pretty like just linked. Like you can't say Mexico without thinking of the safety issue. But I think we should be thinking about safety in any country we travel to really. So I've kind of come to find it as a blessing that I always have to talk about safety in in Mexico. 
So yes, at the end of this podcast, we are going to be talking about safety in Mexico because the, like I said, this is based off of a blog about why Mexico is, is a great um, first time solo travel destination. And I'm going to go over safety in Mexico because you, I just, I really feel like, yeah, we need constant reminders of, of staying safe, um, especially while traveling because Unfortunately, people traveling are a little more of, you know, a, tar- uh, a target, sadly, but truly. And I think, you know, it's vacation and you want to just turn your brain off and you want to just fully relax. And, and I, you know, I get that, of course, but you really need to have even almost a heightened awareness of yourself and your surroundings while traveling. Um but if if these things are at, at least on your mind, I think you're you're doing a little bit better as a traveler than someone who's say like convinced where they're going is quote unquote safe and they're just gonna not pay attention to anything. And I really think those are the people that sometimes, you know, the bad things do happen to. It's unfortunate. I wish that stuff never happened to anybody. Nobody I don't believe like in the victim blaming and like they deserved it. But, you know, we all are also responsible for our, our own personal safety and well-being. That's not anyone else's responsibility. So there's a fine line, you know, and and I see that. But so definitely stick around till the end. And I'm going to tell you about Mexico travel safety. But for now, let us uh, let's jump in um, to the five reasons that I believe Mexico is a great first time solo travel destination and a great travel destination, even if you're not solo, and also how to pick your perfect and ideal and best and most advantageous travel destination. All right. The first tip is Mexico is only a short flight away. So let's examine that. Reason one of why I believe that Mexico is the perfect first time solo travel destination and also why it's just like the perfect travel destination from the U.S., whether you're solo in a group, first time international, whether you're a travel pro, this is just really like why Mexico is a great, (laughs) why you need to consider Mexico for international travel from the U.S. And reason number one is that Mexico is only a short flight of way. So Mexico, as you probably know, is your neighboring country, meaning it is very, very close to you. Now, I love me some Instagram. I know those picturesque places on Instagram, like, you know, the Maldives and stuff like that. They're gorgeous, gorgeous eye candy. However, do you have any idea how far away the Maldives islands are from you? Well, I'm going to tell you. So depending on where you're coming from in the U.S., you're looking at 20 to 30 hours of airtime or flight time. And that really means time you're in the air on the plane. So that's 20 to 30 hours in the air. That's not including, um, you know, time you're just sitting in the airport waiting for your flight. That's not including the at least one layover and likely layovers, plural, that you're going to have. So depending on where you're traveling from, again, plan on taking two to four flights 
to some some of these super exotic places, including the Maldives. And if it seemed that picking on the Maldives, <laughs> um, plan for a similar travel itinerary to a lot of the other really popular, you know, Instagram hashtag travel goals destinations like Bali, Thailand, Dubai, Morocco, um, Croatia. And just a side note, uh, there is a really, really beautiful destination in the in Mexico in the Yucatan Peninsula called Bacalar, which is B-A-C-A-L-A-R. Bacalar is one of my favorite places in all of Mexico. It's about, I guess, about a five-hour drive from Cancun, maybe a four-hour drive from Tulum, some, something around that, maybe a little bit less. Um, and Bacalar... The town of Bacalar has Laguna Bacalar, the Bacalar Lagoon. And this is one of the biggest freshwater lagoons on earth. And it has incredibly crystal clear blue waters that have actually earned the lagoon the nickname the Maldives of Mexico. So if you got Maldives on the brain, um, there's a Mexican <laughs> Maldives option. Now, it's, of course, not the Maldives, but there's overwater bungalows. Um, again, the water is like crystal clear, beautiful. In fact, the, this is a, the Yucatan Peninsula is a very Mayan area. The indigenous people to this part of Mexico are Mayan and the Mayans gave the lagoon, the nickname, uh, the lagoon of seven colors. And they say you can see seven distinct shades of blue all throughout the lagoon, and um, yeah, you really can. It's actually super cool to see. So the lagoon ranges in depth from zero to, I think it's 300 feet, something like that. It's either two or 300. It's very deep. And in those really deep parts, you're going to, the water on the surface is going to look like a very, very deep indigo, navy, dark blue. And then in the shallows, the water is almost white, clear. And then there's, you know, five shades in between of blue. And yeah, Bacalar are stunning. One of my one of my favorite places in Mexico. So just a side note <laughs> about uh, uh, Maldives, the Maldives of Mexico. Okay, so Mexico's close proximity to the U.S. actually lengthens your trip if you really think about it. So going back to the original point of, of Mexico's proximity to the U.S., um, this ex essentially is going to extend your vacation time. So how so? Simple. You're not losing time to travel, so you have more time to, you know, actually travel. <laughs> um, most travelers are on a limited time schedule, so less time in the airport and in the plane means more time actually traveling in your destination. And also, fun fact, actually not a fun fact if this applies to you, but taking only one flight... Um, which you're probably going to is probably going to be the case for you coming from the US cuz we're so close taking one flight means less chance of airlines losing your luggage now i know this is a worst case scenario but you know your your luggage isn't going from plane to plane during um flight transfers and stuff like that and you know again this doesn't mean it's going to happen to you but i read an article in the bbc that Airlines actually misplace and lose 25 million pieces of luggage every year, which is just a crazy number. I had no idea. So something I'm very passionate about is direct flights. I will usually pay more for a direct flight because, again, 
less chance of luggage loss for one, less chance of just the general travel issues. And there will be travel issues, you know, like changing planes and then the next plane being on a flight delay or your plane arriving a little late and now you have only 20 minutes to run to your next flight. So I pretty much will always opt for a direct flight. Um, even again, if it means a little bit more money, it just eases my mind. So uh, since Mexico is so, so close to the U.S., um, there are actually going to be multiple direct daily flights from pretty much every major U.S. city into airports like Mexico City and Cancun, which again, these are like Mexico's big travel destinations. And then from Cancun, you really have access to the whole Yucatan Peninsula. So, you know, some other really big tourist destinations for Mexico are right there. Tulum, Playa del Carmen, Riviera Maya. Um, And then there are other big cities in Mexico that are going to get you to be able to experience some of the maybe lesser lesser travel destinations. But they also have international airports, so you're going to find direct flights and some of my favorite areas are Querétaro, which has an international airport and is very close to San Miguel de Allende, which is a popular, popular destination, and Guanajuato, which is one of my one of the prettiest cities in Mexico. And then the Guadalajara airport. Guadalajara is the second biggest city in, in Mexico, and it's also becoming one of the country's top foodie destinations. So, yeah, you're going to have a ton of options for direct multiple daily flights from pretty much any large city in the U.S. into any large city in Mexico. So something to obviously keep in mind for Mexico-specific travel, but just something to keep in mind for travel planning is uh, how much time am I going to be spending sitting on a plane and sitting in an airport and not enjoying my destination? So now we are going to talk about visas, Visas. So visas, um, visas are not something American international travelers uh, really have to deal with. Um, so according to the Henley Passport Index, which ranks countries and uh, how strong their passport is or how much passport privilege we have, the U.S. actually ranked seventh, which is high. Um, And Japan actually has the most passport privilege. They can go to nearly every single country on earth just without a visa. And then Singapore, second, and South Korea and Germany tying for third. So, um, yeah, the U.S. comes in seventh. It ties for seventh with with a couple other countries. And uh, with the U.S. passport, you can go to over 180 countries without getting a visa, And one of those countries, of course, is Mexico. But something amazing that Mexico does that pretty much no other country on earth does is Mexico gives all visitors a free six-month visa. So not only is Mexico close to the U.S., but you can pretty much just jump on a plane and go with almost no plan and, you know, stay for a while if you so choose. So, yes, without needing any type of visa or clearance before going to this country, you'd, you'd jump on a plane or a cruise, or you'd cross by land. But once you get into Mexico, you'll receive an 
FMM 180 day tourist visa. And again, there's no charge for that. They're just going to give you a piece of paper when you come through like the customs immigration line and you hold on to that paper throughout your Mexico travels. And then when you leave the country, you give them that piece of paper back. It's a small piece of paper. It's, you know, it fits, I stash it in my passport. So there are countries though, although the U.S. does have pretty high passport privilege and strength, there are going to be countries that you will need to do things like get a visa or get shots to visit. Um, some of these are, are pretty popular travel destinations and they include Australia, China, Cuba, Egypt, India, Jordan, which has Petra, the old city, one of the wonders of the world. Uh, again, the Maldives, I swear I'm not picking on the Maldives. New Zealand, Russia, Turkey, where Cappadocia is. If you've ever seen those pictures on, on Instagram of like the hot air balloons in the desert, that's in Turkey. Uh, Vietnam, hugely popular destination. And then there are other countries that do include Indonesia, where Bali is, uh, Thailand, and some others that they will give you a 30-day tourist visa. But beyond 30, you're going to have to make other arrangements, you know, like paying for a visa extension or, you know, leaving the country and coming back. But you're going to have to cross, obviously, into another country for that. So just something to consider, um, you know, the visa there's a couple countries you'd have to get vaccinations to go to, and Mexico means none of those things. <laughs> so, another reason I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that Mexico is is great for um, an international travel destination. Now we're gonna talk about money, honey. Now we're going to talk about money. Um, I, I'm going to say you actually make money when you come to Mexico. I mean, that's, you know, half a joke and half, half kind of true. So you, you bringing your U.S. dollars, you're in a very strong position financially when you come to Mexico. Uh, the exchange rate is very, very, very much in your favor. And this number is going to fluctuate, but at the time that I'm recording this, which is mid-July 2020, uh, the exchange rate is currently $1 to about 24 and a half pesos, meaning this, for every dollar you exchange, you're going to get 22 pesos and 44 cents. So you're not exactly getting $22 for every dollar, so it's not really like that, but if you're adjusting the numbers, you're really getting something like 15 US for every dollar you're exchanging. So yeah, like I said, you're you're kind of making money just by by coming to Mexico as your destination. But of course, you know, the currency is is something you should keep in mind when you're selecting an international travel destination. So to give you some perspective, the current exchange rate, again, mid-July 2020. The current exchange rate for euros, which is the currency used throughout most of Europe, the majority of Europe uses euros, is $1 to 89 cents in euros. And then for pounds, which is used in England, London, uh, is actually $1 US to 79 cents in pounds. So what do these numbers mean? 
basically you're losing 10 to 20% of your money by simply making a currency exchange for when you do visit Europe. And again, in Mexico, you're going to be, you know, 15xing your money. So uh, also in the um, category of money, accommodations also in Mexico tend to be so much less than they cost in places like Europe as well. So when I started traveling, of course, like many travelers, I was looking at Europe because Europe is considered a safe place to go. And, you know, everywhere safe and not safe at the same time. That's what I always like to say. So yes, there are very safe places in Europe. There are unsafe places in Europe too. But something that really ended up kind of making Mexico, Central America more of a you know, uh, on my destination radar was just how inexpensive you can rent places for. Uh, I ended up staying in Airbnbs throughout all of my solo travels through Mexico. And I never stayed in a hostel, not even once, because you can stay in an Airbnb for, you know, $20 a night. <laughs> I mean, you can stay in a hostel for 14 but you know, to me, it just wasn't worth it. But also, I, I really think I've aged out of hostels. I think they're like, I'm going to go try and rent a room at a hostel. And they're going to be like, ma'am, what are you doing here? <laughs> so uh, yeah, a lot of my travels were from ages 36 to 38. So I, of course, would not have been not allowed in a hostel. But <laughs> fun fact, I the one time I stayed in a hostel in my life, actually, I think I've stayed in two hostels. But one of the times was in Amsterdam and I was 24 and actually age cutoff was 25. So I, I always joke that I like just made the hostel. <laughs> I just made it to the hostel experience. But of course, you can stay in hostels at any age. That just happened to be that one hostel. But yeah, I managed to do all these travels and, and still have, you know, a lot of accommodation, um, you know, flexibility and privacy and my own shower and those kind of things, not sharing a room with a stranger. I'm not knocking hostile travel. It's just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not what I did. And, um, I think I enjoyed my travels so much more for it. So yes, definitely consider your exchange rates, um, in the countries you're considering for, uh, travel, possible travel destinations and know that, there are some places on earth, Mexico included, where you're actually going to kind of make money in the exchange. So now we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people don't talk about <laughs> in the travel blog world. And it's what if you hate where you end up? And I'm going to tell you why Mexico is a great country if you end up hating the city you, you chose. So let's let's real talk for a second. And one of the things people really don't discuss when they discuss travel is what if you hate where you ended up? And this can happen. This can happen in any destination in the world. This can happen in your dream destination. In fact, it kind of happened for me in Bali, which was my dream destination. And then when I went to Bali, I was like, oh man, I made this place into a different place in my head than it actually was. Now, 
I was doing a yoga retreat, so I sort of had an itinerary set up. But if I didn't like Bali and didn't have sort of an already planned out itinerary, I'm not sure what I was what I was going to do. Like, was I just going to stay there and kind of dislike my destination or so something I, I recommend is having a plan B, at least in mind. I don't mean you need, you know, itineraries for like a plan B country or city, but just have it like have some kind of an exit strategy in mind because you know, all of our time is limited and there's, you don't have to stay somewhere you don't like. And you're not going to know if you like a place until you go. So, you know, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, but yes, plan Bs, travel plan Bs and exit strategies and why Mexico is great for, for both of those things. And simply put, Mexico is a huge, huge country for me, it really feels like it's several countries in one. So I use the analogy about how, think about the East Coast and the West Coast of the US and how they're almost entirely different countries. Like compare New York and San Francisco. That is a world apart to be in the same country. Or think about how visiting New Orleans and visiting Wyoming are very different American travel experiences, although they're both in America. So Mexico is just like that. Um, I've actually only even been to half the states in Mexico, and I still feel like I've traveled to at least three very distinct countries. And I think there's probably another two more distinct countries in the places I've never been. So why is, uh, why is all this important to know? Well, Mexico's great for plan B. If you end up somewhere and you are just not feeling that, you can just go to another part of Mexico and keep experiencing all the perks we've already talked about, like not needing to get a, a visa to go to that country, enjoying the really, really good exchange rate. Um, the fact that, again, you're just another short flight back to the U.S. for when it's it's sadly time to go home. Um, so, yeah, let's say you pick. Mexico City as your first time solo travel destination or as your travel destination. And Mexico City is the wrong choice for you. You get there and, you know, Mexico City is a big city. It's a fun city, but, you know, it's it's a city. It's one of the biggest cities on earth. I think it's the big city in like North America, the biggest city in North America. So, I mean, you know, you might think like, oh, I want a city vacation. And then when you get there, it's like, nope, there's no way I can really calm down. Like, I don't feel like partying and I just want to relax. So Mexico City is not going to be your place. So know that you have a whole lot of options. Um, Mexico uh, is easy, again, with the plan B exit strategy. It's also convenient so if you want to, let's say, leave Mexico City and go to another city, uh, you have a bunch of options. And one is, of course, renting a car. Uh, Mexico roads are very safe, although, again, Mexico has the unsafe reputation. It, it, I have found it to be not true, but it's just generally known that you, if you just don't drive at night, you're fine. So 
renting a car is your first option. The second option is actually taking a bus. And again, that's not super popular in the US. Bus travel is not something that Americans are accustomed to. It's actually seen as maybe like something you don't want to do. But it's a different um, it's a different experience here in Mexico. Uh, everyone takes the buses. It's uh, it's often the easiest. If you're going to maybe an off the beaten path destination, you know, your bu the bus is going to be the quickest, easiest, cheapest option. I've taken the bus a lot of places and Mexico buses are, are really nice. Actually, um, they're just, you know, giant tour bus style buses. You get like the big cushy velvet seats. Um, there's tons of uh, outlets for your phone or your gadgets. They have Wi-Fi. And there's a couple really big bus companies in Mexico, and they all will have options for first class or luxury buses. And those end up being a, a couple more dollars than a regular bus ticket. So I always opt for those. And third option for intercountry travel is Mexico has several low cost national airline companies. Um, those these companies also j have international flights, but for inter Mexico travel, there are at least like four airline companies: Viva Aerobus, Aeromexico, uh, Volaris, Interjet, and they're gonna you know take you wherever you want to go to the 100 or so airports that are in Mexico. So just to give you like a little perspective of why I tend to opt for plane travel over bus travel in Mexico for the most part is you can often book a flight, an inter-Mexico flight for 50 to $75, but a bus ticket would run you 25 to 50 and it's going to extend, you know, your travel time at least fivefold, something like that. Again, it depends on the destination you're going to. Some of the off the beaten path places, obviously no airports there in the smaller towns. So depending, but I always will check for flight travel before I check for bus travel. So yeah, like something to keep in mind, again, a plan B or an exit strategy for getting to a place and it just not being your place. And uh, why having an exit strategy is important and why Mexico exit strategies are super, super simple. So now we're gonna talk about the last um, reason that I'm telling you Mexico's a great travel destination and it's that your phone is likely going to work in Mexico. So let's let's explore that. Now let's talk about cell phone service and data. Um, so first, right off the bat, your phone is likely gonna work in Mexico. Um, most of the US's large cell phone carriers and companies include Mexico and Canada in with their contract service plan. So if you're on a contract somewhere, you most likely do have Mexico and Canada included because these are the two most visited countries for Americans. So it kind of just makes sense. I actually have this right now. I'm, I still have my American number in Mexico and I just, it's because, you know, I have AT&T and they give me free Mexico. So it has never been changed. 
Now, of course, this is going to depend on your cell phone company and on your plan and whether or not you're on a contract and, and a number of factors, but just call the company and ask them and they're going to either tell you, you know, yes or no. And if you're, if it does not include complimentary Mexico service, um, they're going to give you some options and most likely it's going to be that they can just turn the international service on for you. Now, this is often expensive, but it's obviously the most convenient option because you just tell them when you're traveling, they make a note in their system, and then you have international service during those dates. Uh, if not, there are other options that we're going to get to. But this one is certainly the most convenient because you're going to have uninterrupted phone service in Mexico, which also means you're going to have your data plan, meaning further that you can check Google Maps when you're off Wi-Fi. You can, you know, hit up Instagram for a little bit if you're waiting to catch a bus. Um, you can call an Uber from anywhere. Um, it also means you can connect via phone and text with everyone back home using your same phone number, using their information that's already stored in your phone. You basically have your whole phone just in Mexico. So that is uh, through just your company turning on the international service if it's not already even just included. But if you do not want to do that, because again, it's the priciest option, uh, you still have more options, and one of them is called a SIM card. So when you arrive in Mexico at pretty much any Mexican airport, and I have been to quite a few, you are going to see like kiosks right when you get off the plane. And if not, you're going to see those little electronic stores in the airport. And from there, you can buy a SIM card. Now, this is, again, a little bit less convenient than having the international turned on, but it's also going to be a lot less money. So first and foremost, you need to check before you leave the U.S. to go to wherever you're going to make sure your phone is unlocked because you need an unlocked phone for a SIM to buy a SIM card in your country. Nowadays, most phones do come unlocked already, but if yours isn't, you just call your phone company. And in most cases, it's as simple as them like changing a setting in your plan and, and unlocking your phone. So that's what you have to do before arrival in, in the country you're traveling to. So in Mexico specifically, purchasing a SIM card is very easy. As I mentioned, they're pretty much in all airports. Right as soon as you get off the plane, there's going to be someone selling SIM cards. And this is because you are the absolute target demographic and market to buy a SIM card, an international SIM card, because you're just a visitor in the country. So they make it pretty convenient. They're right there for you to buy. If not, uh, Mexico has a chain of stores called OXO, O-X-X-O. And OXO's pretty much 7-Eleven, but they are everywhere in Mexico. Like you can't really go more than three, four blocks without hitting another OXO. Like Mexico really loves their OXOs and OXOs sell SIM cards. So once you buy a SIM card, you are gonna swap it out for your current SIM card. And, um, you're gonna have a new number, a new Mexican phone number, new country phone number, and you're gonna kinda lose some of the functionality of your original phone number. You might lose some numbers that are stored in your phone. 
not lose. I mean, they're on your other SIM card, but you might have to like, you know, like write the number down and then put it with the new SIM card. Just depends on your phone and settings and stuff like that. But, you know, this is a little less convenient again, like I mentioned, than turning the international on. But you're just going to have a Mexican number for a while. And then as soon as you swap back to your U.S. SIM card, you have all your U.S. stuff back again, including your U.S. number. A final note I will tell you about the SIM cards is that they are super, super, super tiny and they get lost really easily. Like these things are, I don't even know if they're like half an inch big. They're really tiny. So just something to keep in mind if you're doing the SIM card swap to be extra, extra careful not to lose your original SIM card. All right. So those are those are my reasons of why Mexico is a really great choice. One of your best choices as a solo travel and general travel destination. And also just the things you should consider when you're selecting a travel destination if it's not Mexico because I know there are people in the world there's they seem weird to me but they exist who don't want to come to Mexico. And that's fine. So you can just apply a lot of these tips pretty much to wherever you want to go in the world. And, you know, it makes great things to think about before settling on a destination. So let's wrap this up with just a little bit of talk of Mexico travel safety. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> the question I get asked the most, the absolute most, and it is, is Mexico safe for solo female travelers? So again, this, this podcast is based off of a blog of five reasons why Mexico is the best first time solo travel destination, which inevitably leads to the is Mexico safe question. But I mean, even if you've never been to Mexico, I you can probably imagine that I get asked this question a lot. And I think it's, uh, well, I think safety is something we need to talk about more for travel, just period, to any country, to Mexico, to Switzerland, to anywhere. I mean, we all need to, Our I believe our safety is our own responsibility. Um, I'm not really big on victim blaming, like, oh, well, they got pickpocketed and they deserved it because they did X, Y, Z. Like, I don't that I don't think that's helpful to anybody either. But I also think that you are responsible for your own safety. So there's a little bit of a fine line there for me. I I I make it a point to be responsible for my own safety, and I have never had any any experiences where I felt unsafe in Mexico. So. My short answer to the is Mexico dangerous question is no, not any more dangerous than most travel destinations. So kind of me being funny there, but in all seriousness, the answer to the is Mexico safe question, it's actually unanswerable. I think people want a definitively definitive, definitive, officially official answer, and that just doesn't exist. And that's because safety is not a fact, it's a feeling. So you're safe in places where nothing bad happened and you're not safe when something bad happened. So safety is really a question of a personal experience and um, based on things you've heard or read, you know, things like that. And unfortunately, Mexico has a terrible reputation for safety and it's because what is shown on the US news and I mean other reasons as well, but that's a big factor. And what is shown on the U.S. news, I'm not going to lie, that's all true stuff. 
That is, but it's largely cartel violence. It's not random. Um, and you can avoid that by not joining a cartel. <laughs> so that stuff is really isolated to just such a small percentage of the country. And it's easy to avoid. I have been a solo traveler in Mexico for over two years now. I've been to half the states in the country. I've never seen any cartel violence. Um, I don't think there's really been cartel violence in any of the states I've been in. I've avoided places notorious for that. They're pretty easy to avoid places. A lot of those um, states and cities don't even really have infrastructure for tourism. So it's like you're not really going to visit there. They're not even going to come up as like, hey, you should check out this place. It's a little dangerous, but you might check it out. Like it's not even going to come up. So yeah, those places are, are easy to avoid. And if you don't join a cartel, you're likely very, very, very safe in Mexico, as safe as you are in the United States, as safe as you are in most countries in the world. But again, I, I take my own safety as to be my own responsibility. So I opted for some general safety measures while traveling through Mexico at all times. The number one thing that I did was I always opted for Uber over public transportation. Now, this is like especially true of Mexico City. So it's notorious in pretty much any big city in the entire world that the subways are one of the places notorious for getting your phone stolen or your wallet stolen or pickpocketed. Um, so yeah, I just didn't take the Mexico City Metro. It was as simple as that. Now, don't get me wrong, the Metro is priced very well. It's only like 25 cents per ride, something like that. But honestly, when you're exchanging dollars to pesos, like we talked about, you can take a 45 minute Uber and it's, you know, four or $5. So, you know, it's, it's, it's also pretty economical, relatively speaking, to take Uber. Um, because yeah, it's a couple dollars more. But think about getting your phone stolen and how much that costs, not only in time, but in headaches and like in inconvenience. And now you're without a phone in a foreign country, you know. So, yeah, you know, I spent a few more dollars taking Uber, but it was it's great for peace of mind. And I never got my phone stolen. So a couple other tips, uh, if you head to the blog that this podcast is based off of, you're going to get a whole list of female travel safety tips, general travel safety tips. But I'm going to just go over a couple. And something I find very, very important and very helpful and something I did is having a crossbody bag instead of like a shoulder bag or a bag that you're holding in your hand. So um, a crossbody bag is going to make you a lot less of, let's say, a target for the crime of opportunity of a snatch and grab robbery. So a snatch and grab is when someone runs at you, takes snatches your purse in this case, and keeps running. Now, it's really, really easy to do. If it, your purse is in your hand, it's going to come right out. It's also very easy if your purse is just slung over your shoulder, it's going to come right off your arm. But if you have a crossbody bag, um, especially if you're keeping the bag like tucked kind of tightly, tightly-ish under your arm, or if you keep the bag on your chest, on your stomach chest area, instead of on your back, you know, you're even less of a person 
who's going to be targeted, I think, for that type of crime. Now, of course, it's not impossible to get your bag off if you have a crossbody bag. It just makes it that much harder. And with crimes of opportunity, they're looking for the easiest target. So you're making yourself a little less easy of a target. And that's, you know, that's the best we can really do as far as safety. Uh, this one, I just want to cry when I see people do this, but do not keep your phone in your back pocket. Um, again, you're making yourself a target. I'm not saying that that's, you know, I don't, I'm not advocating for like, you did this and now you're a target. Like I, you know, but again, my safety, my belongings, my, my business, my, uh, they're mine to, uh, keep or lose. So I opted for keeping <laughs> and yeah, you just can't have your phone in your back pocket. I think we've all, uh, we all know the agony of pockets and women's clothing and there's just like no back pocket really that exists <laughs> that is going to conceal your entire phone. You're always going to at least have a little bit of the phone sticking out to like as much as half of the phone sticking out I've seen. And again, crimes of opportunity, you know, you have now become the easiest opportunity. So take the extra two seconds put your phone in your purse, take your phone back out when you need to use Google Maps or take a picture. Not going to lie, inconvenient, takes extra time. But think of the inconvenience again and the headache and the time spent and the money spent of getting your phone stolen. It's just not worth it. And something else that relates to travel and really relates to life. <laughs> and I think we don't do enough and don't think enough about is listening to our intuition. Um, I really think this was a game changer for me in solo travel safety. And it's that I made the commitment to always 100% of the time, full stop listening to my intuition. If my intuition was like, this street doesn't feel right, girl, we'll take another street. If I was in a very touristic part of town, you know, I'm in the historic center of the city and so is every other tourist. And my intuition was like, this is not the right time to take your phone out in this crowd of 800 people, you know, fine, not doing it. And also doing things like if I really, really felt like the intuition was telling me, you know, something's weird about this area. I would just like duck into a cafe for five minutes or so, like buy something small, use their bathroom, um, and then just wait it out until I felt calm and ready to continue on. Because when you're in that, when you're in a heightened state, let's say, or when you're even approaching a heightened state, you know, you're not going to make great decisions. You're not in your, in your best, you're not being your best self. You're not living your best life. Um, your decision-making can and will suffer. So if my intuition was like a little, you know, like, okay, this something doesn't feel totally right, you know, take five minutes, give yourself, give yourself a second till things feel right, and then continue. So yeah, head to the blog for a bunch more tips. And something, something that I think everyone knows, or at least has been reminded to do or mentioned to do is knowing the basics of the language of the country you're going to. So obviously Mexico, we're talking about Spanish. 
Uh, I personally felt a huge, huge shift in my own solo female traveler confidence when I started to learn Spanish. Now, again, this is common knowledge among travelers that, you know, learn a little bit of the language. It shows a lot of respect and you get a lot more leeway, I think, from locals when you're at least trying to speak their language. Like they sympathize and empathize with you, you know, trying. Nobody's saying you need to be perfect, you know. I don't think anyone seeing someone struggle to get through a language is going to, you know, <laughs> hold that against you. So, yes, make an effort to know the everyday basics and the casual niceties. A little Spanish will definitely, definitely, definitely go a long way in Mexico. But quite honestly, many Mexicans do speak at least some English. Now, if you're going, you know, somewhere into the tiny pueblos, the small, small towns, uh, they're mostly not going to speak English. But if you're in the big, you're in a big or bigger city, um, younger people tend to speak English. Service industry people tend to speak English. You can honestly go to Mexico and know no Spanish whatsoever. I do not recommend that um, because, again, it's a sign of respect when you have learned some Spanish. And when I say some, I am really talking about like 30 words and phrases here. You can honestly learn what you needed to over... 20 minutes a day for three weeks using the the duolingo app for example and duolingo is it's got to be the biggest app for free language learning that exists and duolingo is really cool I've, I've used it and it teaches you what you need to know for like traveling to a certain country so you're going to learn how to order food in a restaurant how to ask where the atm is um things like that, things you actually need to know. You're not necessarily learning perfect verb conjugations and all that kinds of stuff. But yeah, Duolingo is super cool for, for teaching the basics. And then actually, if you head to the blog, uh, linked in the show notes, I have a free basic Spanish list. It's actually like a pinnable infographic. And it has about 30 or so words and phrases. And what's cool about this and what's hopefully helpful about this is that you can just save this to your phone as an image file. And that way, even if you're off Wi-Fi, you can just open it and you can know what you need to say. Uh, it's separated by situations like restaurants, knowing the names of places, uh, basic phrases, everyday phrases you're going to ask every day, like, where's the bathroom? Do you speak English? Is there free Wi-Fi here? Things like that. And uh, I, I list on there how to uh, talk about levels of spice in your food. So I have how to ask, is that spicy? How to order things not spicy? Things like that. Because pro tip in Mexico, the answer to is that spicy is like, yes. And it could be up to hell yes. So uh, the, the rumors about the uh, spicy Mexican food is definitely true. So yeah, head to head to the blog and grab your free basic Spanish words list. And if not, just make yourself a note in your phone. Because again, you know, you want to be able to access this off Wi-Fi if need be. So so those are uh, those are some safety tips. The last thing I want to talk about is the US STEP program. And STEP stands for Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. And it's a free free service offered to U.S. citizens, and you're basically letting the U.S. government know where you're going to be and for what dates you're going to be there. So once you enroll in STEP, and it's just a simple online form you fill out on their website, which is step.state.gov, 
and you're you're letting the U.S. Embassy know where you're going to be, when you're going to be there, and they're going to put you in touch with the U.S. Embassy or U.S. Consulate in Mexico or in where you're going. That is going to be the closest to where you're staying. So in Mexico, there's a ton, as you can imagine, because, again, we share a border and all that kind of stuff. So in Mexico, you're never going to be far from a U.S. Embassy or Consulate for the most part. And then after you register with STEP, uh, the U.S embassy over there in the country of your choice in Mexico or in wherever they have your contact information and the event in the event of an emergency like a natural disaster or civil unrest or actually even some US citizens were they call it extracted that sounds like a very serious word but they were extracted um, from countries and brought back to the US uh, when the covid out when the covid outbreak started so, you know, with, with STEP, they're going to be able to find you and they're going to know that, you know, you're in that country and you need to be safely, you know, taken from that country and brought back to the U.S. So definitely enroll with STEP, um, free service and something not a lot of people know about. So that pretty much wraps up Mexico. So travel safety, solo travel in Mexico safety, travel in general safety, <laughs> all of the safeties. Um, so... Yeah, I hope you you learned uh, reasons why Mexico is a great travel destination destination, or learned a couple things that are going to be helpful for when you are picking your own travel destination, things to consider, and then travel safety. So until next time, thank you for listening so much, and I hope you tune in next week. All right. For now, adios chicas, nos vemos. That means I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. That's our episode for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I sincerely hope that you're starting to see just how achievable your solo travel dreams are. If this episode resonated with you and you know other women it will resonate with, please share it with them. Let's grow a supportive community of both aspiring solo female travelers and solo travel veterans so we can learn from and more importantly, empower one another. Ready to join the community? Head to our private Facebook group called Dream to Destination and let's chat. If you're also curious about my solo travel adventures in Mexico, then you'll want to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Mexico Solo for both. On the socials, I share all of my colorful Mexico photos, my destination recommendations, and links to my related Mexico travel blog posts each and every day. All the social media pages I just mentioned are linked in the show notes. Thank you once again for being here. I appreciate it so much that you're supporting the Dream to Destination podcast. But as a brand spanking new podcast, I will ask you to please, please, please help me spread the word. How can you help with that? It's super easy. Hit subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. By doing those quick four things, you're going to be helping other women find us and go on to achieve their solo travel dreams as well. Until next time, dream on.